0: I think that we've got to do a two-parter for this. Okay, so we go on to the showman. Brackets. Oh, is the brackets attached to this? Yeah.
1: Oh, a little bit, a little more better? Yeah, so grammarians take cover. Little more better. Grammarian? Uh, someone who studies grammar, because what we have there are two comparatives. We have more and better. Needless.
0: Uh this this instantly reminded me of of bands like the Lars and Deep Blue something uh ve- again a very un U2 sound um but I th- I felt like this was U2 allowing themselves to imitate we kind of you know touched on that with Summer of Love mm. um it's okay to imitate it, you know if you like a sound like, they, when they started they would have been trying to sound like the Ramones and the Clash
1: yeah, and Bowie and a few other things, yeah. And, and Joy Division. Yep. So why is that so wrong now? Well, I would say it's wrong on this track, because this is an awful song. And I'm, I've, I've, no, oh. I've no bones about that, okay? This is an awful song. Now, it's catchy, but do you know what else is catchy? Bubonic Plague, okay? <laughs> this is an awful song, and it's such a come down from the last, the last song that it hurts my head. Wow, um, it's so terrible. I mean,
0: I don't, I don't have an opinion that strong. I, either way, I like it, and I don't turn it off. Um, it's less polished than other songs, but but Bono sounds like he's having fun, and what else you can polish? And I think, <laughs> I think it's, um, I like it. I like it.
1: It's a bit du- of a breath. Oh.
0: It's a bit of a breath. A, a, a breath of fresh air. And then, before we get to the next track... Because otherwise, that, it would be pretty heavy from Summer of Love, Red Flag Day, you know, and with the little things that give you away. I think it is. It's just a little
1: um, appetizer, aperitif. But it's... it's... Sorbet. Uh, it's really not. It's awful. It's sub-B-side material. I would be... If this was on a single as a B-side, I would be really relieved. I'd be going, Pff, thank God they didn't put that on the album. Good call, you two. This... This is it's really bad. It should not be on this album, right? One thing George Macaulay wanted
0: us to question is uh, a few of the lines about, about Bono talks about lying. Have we got the lyrics up there?
1: Let's have a look because I do remember. We will get to uh, the Twitter correspondence um, eventually, but as this is so, um, as this is so. Related to what we're talking about. So George has said, Looking forward to this episode. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the lyric in The Showman about Bono lying for a living. Does this mean everything he says is lies and rubbish? The Little Things and Love is Bigger... Oh, okay, he's just saying that he really likes Love is Bigger and Little Things. uh, They're some of the best songs they've made in many years. So we just keep on with The Showman. And uh, Geek Girl Happy Dance has replied, Nah, I think The Showman lyric is meant differently. Any frontman has to be on and up, those are in inverted commas, even on a day when they might be feeling down. Has to sing old songs about passion or ideas that may have long since passed, or maybe not feeling uh, that same way in that moment. Add in Bono's self-esteem issues, dot, dot, dot. So I think that's quite quite well summed up. So let's respond to George first. Does this mean everything he says is lies and rubbish? That lying for a living?
0: No, but I think he is in the business of manipulating, uh, you know, just to, to say things a certain way to have a certain effect. I think... A lot of uh, Bono will be rehearsed, and and you know, think of who we're talking about. We're talking about Bono. It's a fake name. Yeah, not, it's not it, even in. You know, you know. So that and there is a relationship, but there must be a relationship between Paul Hewson and Bono, and how Paul Hewson feels about Bono, and how Bono feels about Paul Hewson. Mm. And he inhabits both those personalities. Yeah. On seemingly, you know, a twenty-four hour basis. Yeah. So And adding a few more, like the fly and mirrorball man, and you've. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I I I think Bono does lie.
1: Well, yeah, I think I think that's
0: the, that that's the 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 trick of any great artist. They they do lie. There is deception involved.
1: Yeah, and you do have to you do have to inhabit those songs, um, as we brought up in that replay. You do have to inhabit those songs, even if you aren't feeling like that. And I think. That that is part and parcel of being a frontman. You are you are selling particular ideals, aspirations to the world, and you have to present them in that in that way. If you well, a particular kind of frontman. I guess we could say you don't have to be that style of frontman. No,
0: a- a- any kind of performer, professional wrestler, for example. Yep. The Undertaker is not the Undertaker. The Undertaker is a, is a, played by a guy called Mark Calloway.
1: But wow, you, what's it called? That word where you spoil things for the, the wrestling world. What's it called? Uh, a broke kayfabe. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not into wrestling. <laughs> I, I just
0: broke kayfabe there. Um But no, if, if say, Larry King, who's Larry King going to interview? The Undertaker, who everybody knows, mm. or Mark Calloway, who no one's heard of?
1: Yeah. So it's if, all about that persona, essentially. Yeah, we are
0: interested in Bono the persona. Yeah. We're obviously interested in Paul Hewson the man, but your, your, your average Joe
1: isn't. And the thing is, I am interested in them taking apart that idea of persona, okay, and and breaking it down. And I think it's important, and it's often overlooked that you two do self-criticise a lot. And I'm sorry if I've said this a million times before, they've done it well before on certain songs, okay? They've done it in a subtle way. But I think enough is enough now. Stop tackling this in this particular way. Stand-up comedy... Was just about the limit, about the you know the Napoleon in high, heel, high heels, because at least it's at least it's a little bit veiled. Well, I certainly prefer this to stand-up comedy. This is awful. Right? Anyone can put up his stupid voice. Oh, terrible. And so I think they don't need to do this anymore. Stop doing this kind of. Certainly not as on the nose as doing a song called The Showman. And let's just look at some of these lyrics, shall we? Okay. <laughs> it is what it is. But it's not what it seems. This screwed-up stuff is the stuff of dreams. What is he on about? I'm sorry. It is what it is, but it's not what it seems. That's that should have been the first thing that goes on the cutting room floor. It's really bouncy and irritating. It sounds like it's been nicked from the 70s or something, or the or the 60s. It's, it doesn't sound like you two. I don't think. I think it sounds awful. It's it's it's. This is a bad song. I I like it. It's it's catchy and I enjoy singing along to it. Just I'm thinking now the the bit where they're going a little more better. Yeah. You don't find that cheesy and cloying and irritating. Um
0: Grammatically speaking, yeah,
1: I do find it annoying.
0: Not as annoying as are we human or are we dancer?
1: That's another kind of worms we we don't we we don't need to get into. No, <laughs> we don't, no. I quite like that line. But we've gone from these these great, subtle, interesting songs about that are about lots of things but are also tied to the refugee crisis and have some weight to them and as well as being fun, interesting songs. And then this is just self-reflective, navel-gazing rubbish halfway through the album. And it, it's so annoying because if we just went straight from Red Flag Day from that the finish on that song, which is brilliant, it finishes bang, we could then just subtly walk into the little things that give you away and this is just a, an interruptory clearing of the throat and spitting out of some. Oh, it's rubbish.
0: Let's move on. No, i you're, you're getting angry. Come on, let's move on.
1: Sorry, guys, if you like this song, disclaimer there because I, I really. I
0: I think most people will like the Showman.
1: Mm. If it if it's being played live, that is when I am <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving. So you don't want a ticket then? No, I'll take I'll take I'll take one ticket, please. Okay. Right. The Little Things That Give You Away. Another quite long title, but I don't mind because it's an excellent song. And this is a song that you can tell has developed in the recording process because it was taken out on tour and was changed live. So there are some small but I think significant changes, certainly a lot less piano. Piano used to absolutely drive this song, um, particularly in that live performance. On Kimmel. Yeah, that we've talked about and... um, and we we enjoyed um but I think this is a, a better version to be honest I think it's a fantastic version. The changes that are made really bring out the depth to this song even the bit where Bono's saying oh la 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 I think that bit is is the way he phrases that is completely different there might even have been a shift there in the in the notes that are being used i'm not I'm not actually completely sure yeah. about that um it is different
0: but it's uh, it's it's good and I, I've liked every version we've heard. My least favorite version of this song was probably at uh, Joshua Tree. Mm. Why?
1: Why? Why? So? Uh, I,
0: I just remember. I remember being a little underwhelmed, but this is post-ultraviolet, so you, you know what state of mind I was in.
1: Yeah, maybe you'd, you'd kind of peaked by that point.
0: I was. I was. I was emotionally shattered. <laughs> Fair enough. And, well, and
1: physically. But in shattered. a good way? Yeah. Um, I. I think at this point in the album, I really wanted. I wanted it to be more of this this kind of thing where, where Bono is, is very much getting into the themes of experience because this sounds like a a properly weary Bono. And it's fair enough, he, he deserves to be weary at this point. I actually think it's a lot more of a genuine song in some ways than the Bono he's, who is in the video for the best thing, you know, where they're all sort of knobbing around uh, New York, you know, Messing with umbrellas and eating pizza and being wacky. I,
0: I've not watched any of that, by the way. I've still got all that to, to do.
1: It's a weird video. But anyway, um, it's fine. It's all right. Um, But I just I much prefer this. I think this is where I wanted the album to in- inhabit. Bono becoming a lot more serious about confronting mortality and about him actually being afraid. I know that he has the whole lines about not being afraid of what we fear. And that's good as... Kind of as a social call, you know, don't let stand up to people who are trying to intimidate you, stand up to bullies, don't be intimidated by fear. But I think this is a lot more honest in terms of him confronting his own mortality and that breakdown in the middle where he's saying about waking up at four in the morning is it's yeah, it's almost heartbreaking. Really, this
0: sounds like uh, a letter to himself, not a letter to anybody else. Yeah, uh, it's very intimate. It could also come across as a letter to Bono from somebody else. Uh, this is uh, hmm. it, it, there is a shift in the in the album here, and I, I've not fully grasped what that is. Um, but We're I, still getting used to it, aren't we? Yeah, but uh, I, I have seen Bono talk about this song somewhere, and I can't remember were or who he said spoke to him but it this song at least the title came from someone saying to bono uh it's the little things that give you away mm. and you know that will lead into our review of the showman as well you know the, the cracks in that veneer of the showman you know no no matter how hard he, he tries to present this image of bono yeah there are cracks in his performance and you if if you're around him enough if you know him well enough you can you can see the real person behind that behind that mask
1: yeah eloquently put and eloquently done on this one in a way that the showman wasn't and fell flat on its face trying to do it just doesn't need to be on the album <laughs> um i think this is possibly
0: the strongest song on the album it's only got better since i first heard it in the summer um, I, I'm a really big fan of it. It's really, really fun to sing. Like if, if you're a singer, mm. like I try to be, mm. uh, it it just every all the melodies just lead into each other. The notes are very easy to hit because of
1: it's very well constructed vocally. Yeah, and it's really been thought out properly. It yeah. reminds me of Stay Far Away, So Close. In that way, in that that's very much a singer's song. Yeah, and every bit of it deserves to be there. And it's yeah, you can see how it develops in each section is is different and the band drops out at the right at the right places as well you know and they all drop out just for that first first chorus and you just have a little bit of um bleeps and bloops in the background that's really really good like works so well and and the and speaking of singing it the lyrics are really good you were high above the storm a hurricane being born really really good stuff there yeah actual well thought out lyrics
0: Good, yeah, good lyrics, good lyrics. And I remember when we first heard this, we thought that it, it reminded us both of Mercy. We talked a lot about Mercy, yeah. but now I think this is its own thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't see think about mercy it anymore. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, it is, it's original, but it's absolutely classic already. It's, it's a classic U two song.
1: Yeah, and this is one that I can see being covered by people in future. It may not, it obviously won't have the same. It doesn't have the same appeal as say something. Like one or whether maybe Barbara you. Dixon could cover it hey i'd I'd pay to see that that'd be <laughs> that'd be amazing <laughs> See the last episode for that one
0: <laughs> okay now so on to land lady. um I think this is another example uh, although very different from summer of love another example of you two really nailing a, a gentle quiet love track hmm. um and i'm going to assume the landlady is ali
1: i think that's a safe assumption to make yeah yeah
0: um we should just say ali is bono's wife if if you don't know I mean, that
1: if you don't know that and you've been hanging around this podcast this long i mean who are you yeah i mean you're welcome to, to be here it's just weird do you
0: know do you know what this really reminded me of george michael in like in the, in his <laughs> 90s output um it has that very 80s slash 90s ballady feel and Mm. it's something that even though you two lived through those periods never really engaged in 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 a contemporary way Uh, you two have always been very concerned with being different and doing something different
1: yeah and just being out of step sometimes
0: so being able to go back and like you know revisit those sounds that they never really interacted with must be a good exercise and I, I don't think it's a bad uh, comparison uh, it's a very uplifting song hmm.
1: I, I, I'd say uplifting is, is such a good word to describe it to me I get the same kind of vibe from this song as I did from Promenade which is also a kind of a kind of love song a bit more of a sketchy one um, in terms of it's very impressionistic not that it's it's bad Um. So we've got these lines, the landlady takes me up in the air, which reminded me of, you know, going up with the spiral staircase. For some reason, that really chimed with me. I go, I go where I would not dare. Landlady shows me the stars up there. I'm weightless, weightless when she is there. And I'll never know what starving poets meant, because when I was broke, it was always you that paid the rent. So we have those ideas of love and a relationship just raising you togetherness elevating you yeah yeah, yeah. and that and that and being brought up by someone um and having that weightless feeling.
0: Having that unit, you know mm. you know a relationship but not two people, it's a, it's a unit of one. And uh
1: but uh yeah
0: I I, I really like that it and it, it does have references back to Every Breaking Wave and Song for Someone. So I yeah. think it's obviously Ali at this point.
1: Yeah and I think it's about it's looking back on a time when Bono wasn't this, you know, immensely successful rock star when they were maybe just starting off and she supported him in terms of, I mean, literally paying the rent and him never having to find out what starving poets meant about, you know, being a, a artist who just lives on a shoestring and can't support themselves because she's supported him. Then and obviously it's continued to do that throughout the relationship. Yeah, it's really eloquent. It's a beautiful love poem, and it's the only song on this album that actually made me get a little bit weepy and sad. It was su- it's such a good song, and it's really delicately produced as well.
0: Yeah, and an instant favourite f- for of mine as well. Mm. Uh, in fact, I was listening uh, to this song. I had this song on in the car uh, on my way here. Yep. Uh, my dad was actually giving me a lift here. Hello, Ian. Uh yeah hi um and he asked me um what's he singing though I mean the track's called Landlady and it's got Landlady written up in LED lights in front of him but he asked me what it's called is it called Laminated or Lamb Baby <laughs> now I I mean it won't be the first time that my dad dad's left me
1: speechless but mm. to sing a song called Laminated or the Lamb Baby or
0: Lamb Baby.
1: Well, in his defence, lambs and babies do come up as imagery in songs of innocence and experience, the Blake collection. So maybe that's what he was thinking.
0: Well, that must—I—I I, I, my, my dad would not know what this album is called. <laughs> um, so let's not. But yeah, if um, if your parents have ever heard, heard a U two track the wrong way, let us know.
1: Yeah, or any mishearings to do with this album. Obviously, I'm very good at mishearing U two lines. So. Any mishearings would be, would be quite interesting to hear. Yeah, you've been all right so far. No, not much. That's because
0: you've been pouring through
1: the booklet. I've been looking well, at the lyrics quite a lot, yeah. Honestly,
0: this album's been out, what, eight days now? And Johnny's copy of, of the booklet that comes with the CD is so <laughs> crumpled and haggard. I've had it a week. What have you been doing with it? I've been been
1: reading it because I I would prefer something to be. To I've be, got
0: Playboy's that don't look that bad.
1: Oh dear! I prefer things to be to be read. A booklet is there to be read, not to be kept in a box like a Star Wars figure or something like that. <laughs> um. So I I thought you would really like that section that that bridge section. Um. You, you know where, where it talks about. I mean, let's just have a look at that section because I think it is worth. Um. It is definitely worth dwelling on just how good. Um that that bit is okay so the bridge section goes every wave that broke me every song that wrote me every dawn that woke me was to get me home to you i'm not going to keep going through all of these but these are fantastic lyrics i would say every wave that broke me obviously we're going back to the the last album but in a in a more implicit way rather than just repeating lyrics which 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 i'm okay with yep i'm okay with that i'd prefer that as i've said every song that wrote that wrote me Oh, but isn't it Bono who writes the songs? No, because the songs are actually forming his identity as he's as he's living them and inhabiting them, and as he keeps having to sing them. Every dawn that woke me, and I guess that's just that's just every dawn, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. but they are great. They're really great lines, and that last one at the end, I will win and call it losing if the prize is not for you. It's. I think this is some of his his lyric game is really on here, and he's not just dealing in he's dealing in big emotions, but not just. Really boring platitudes, which I think we do get sometimes. particularly in "Get Out of Your Own Way," we do get some platitudes in the. And later on, we're definitely going to get some platitudes, but I don't want to give. I don't want to give spoilers. Uh, No,
0: I'm a fan. I'm really a fan of this song, and I think it's it's gonna. It's gonna. It means less to me now than it's going to in six months' time.
1: Yeah, that's a nice feeling to have. Yeah. Uh, Last point: that second time when he sings, "I go." And his voice cracks a little bit, and you get a little bit of an imperfection in the in the record. I, I kind of wish there was a bit more of that on this on this record because there's so much soul in that second time when he, he sings "I go." I can't think of another time on the record where you get that sort of vulnerability. Really, maybe can you think of any any other any other bits?
0: Other other parts of the of uh, the album?
1: Yeah, where he's where he's sounding a bit less slick because. If if you just if listening, you go back and listen to that. Take note of that second time he sings "I Go," and it, his voice. Is I so mean, much I felt like hidden. that with the
0: Kimmel performance of yeah. um, "Little Things That Give You Away." Yeah. On on the album, I'm not sure.
1: Hmm. So this is a highlight. This is a, a, a real, a real highlight. Yeah, it's
0: definitely a highlight. Yeah, uh, and I can't wait to sing it to the future Mrs. Tyler.
1: <laughs> Lucky her.
0: I mean, I haven't met her yet. Uh, so <laughs> if you're out there, give me a call.
1: You need to go and start looking up some landladies then, don't you? Or <laughs> <All> lamb babies. <laughs> Track eleven, the blackout. And I wouldn't be surprised if you do blackout because we're about two hours into this podcast. So well done. This is an interesting song, and I think we'll have a lot to say about it, and I actually took some notes the very first time I listened to it, so I'll just run through those very quickly. Very first impressions, pros. It's actually here, it's quite heavy guitar, I could hum the chorus from the first listen, it's clearly not in the elevation mould, which has been played out by this point, so I think what I'm saying there is, you know, like vertigo, get on your boots, that kind of thing, and it's not terrible. Cons. Stunted verses and disconnection from the verse to the chorus. The lyrics haven't grabbed me. Go easy on me, I've registered that, but I haven't listened to them properly by now. And it's hard to know wait, hard to know which bits are in the song yet or not. Oh, I mean because of that video that was released for Blackout. It was I was actually quite unsure as to what was in the video. Mm. And I'm glad that they kept in all those bits of Edge sort of messing around on his guitar at the start. Um so that's what I initially thought. What were your initial reactions to this song? Um,
0: I didn't love it mm. straight away. Um,
1: and there was a lot riding on it as well.
0: And I th- and I, th- I did feel like I was trying to convince myself to like it.
1: I got a bit of that vibe as well. Yeah.
0: Um, and so I watched the video a couple of times and I showed a few other people and then I never went back to it until the album came out. Mm. Um, I didn't even think about it
1: i yeah it's weird actually i'm I'm struggling still to think about what I actually feel about this song because there is a part of me that thinks I'm trying to push myself to like it because on the face of it there's lots of kind of things that I like there's a lot of act and baby to it it's heavy it's sort of stompy but and the chorus is very very catchy, but for some reason i'm 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 i am i am i can not put it in the same camp of heavy u2 songs that i really love like um like until the end of the world and um last night on earth for example and i think it's trying to be in that kind of mold but not getting
0: there um i think it sounds original enough
1: yes it's not it's it's in no way a sound alike to those songs i just think it's 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 got that heaviness would you say um would you say this is one of adam's one of adam's best bass riffs
0: yeah i mean they have put here the drum and bass just leave it there i'm happy with the drum and bass um, so
1: you say this is one of a really really good baseline then?
0: Yeah, I think I, I think a lot of my misgivings about it is I didn't I didn't know what to expect either. I was expecting a an elevation or a um well maybe just or a vertigo I suppose. Mm. But I don't I don't feel like it didn't feel like a single.
1: It, I felt like it. I'm not sure it is a single though. I think
0: I was questioning all the way through it. It was released for American Record Store Day. Oh right, okay. And and there has been a a. A version released over here, so I do have actually have a physical version of this
1: should we should we just say that to all intents and purposes anything that was released before the actual album coming out just counts as a single
0: well well i I'm happy with that
1: because I think that's just that's the best way to think about it it just it it felt
0: like a b side I kept Ooh. I kept questioning like is this as good as a b side from ten years ago and and I think there's b sides that I prefer to this.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, there are always B-sides that I prefer to A-sides, but that's just that's just the way it is, really. Because sometimes, in hindsight, you look back and think, really, that should have been on the album.
0: I mean, it harkens back to Paul Simon's 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Yeah, I was wondering
1: when we get to this. This um, is a very controversial issue, and... Be- because, well, it's not just harkening back to it. <laughs> it, it it's, it, well...
0: Just rhyme any any line with uh, the name of a, a man, and you've done it. Damn! I'm I'm surprised he didn't uh, he didn't go the feminist route and do, fe- you know, a female version. Uh, I mean, that, that would have been in keeping, and not not that it that would have improved the song, but it can't have made it any worse. I'm trying to think of um,
1: uh, women's names that actually would would fit in here. Uh, but yeah, we've got Ned, Fred, Jack, and Zach. Um, yeah. Do you think they would be better if he just left... Because obviously the whole point of those names is just to punctuate the end of the line because of the way that the, the rhythm of the song is. Would it have been better if he just said statues fall, democracy is flat on its back and he just carried on and not had those jacks and zacks and neds and freds Yeah. In? Um
0: Yeah. The bridge is the best thing about the song.
1: The go easy on me. Yeah. That is the bit that... So, see, we were driving the other day in the car and... My partner basically was singing along to that bit and likes the chorus. But as soon as the verses came in, she was just laughing. Yeah. The, uh, and she's not a massive U2 fan, but it's, it is kind of... is a bit silly in some ways. Yeah. And it's annoying because the subject matter is meant to be hard-hitting. It's about democracy. It's about dinosaurs. I presume that's a reference to... Well, maybe to Bono himself, but also to, to Trump because of his outdated views.
0: Perhaps. Yeah, Trump is uh, the one I've been reading into. Um... The video looked cool, aesthetically cool. Uh, I'm not a I, I'm not a great lover of this song. Uh, there is the recurring theme of light, obviously the blackout, uh, lights going out, uh, and the ideas of something coming to an end. And uh, in in summary, the song overstays its welcome, and it's it's in skip territory for me.
1: Wow, it's not uh, see. Uh, I that's did...
0: two songs that are on the skip pile.
1: I there's only one um song on the Skip pile for me um which is which is uh, the showman um I I think this is important to the album it's a bit odd I don't know it's a bit odd in its in its it placing. stands out it, it really
0: does stand out in a similar way to American soul and you're the best thing like the it's it, these songs are it's like they're independent of the rest of the
1: of uh, the rest of the album
0: mm which,
1: which is quite cohesive without those the, songs they're thematically linked I guess because we've got the the light idea as well that's being... and i li- and i I'll repeat I like the best thing yeah i
0: I'm not saying it's the best thing, but it's it's okay
1: yeah I don't know i'm still I'm still wondering just got your joke um I'm still wondering whether i how I feel about this about this song to be honest um
0: I think it's safe to say that at the moment you don't like it.
1: No, I do, I do. I do like it. I, I like. I, it's the problem is that I'm thinking: Am I trying to artificially say that I really like it? So I do like the themes. I like the idea that even at the worst particular time, you know, the only way is up. Basically, we are in a terrible time politically, and then and that's where we need. It's we too, need the
0: light. It's too close to boots. Let's 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 say it. It's too close to boots.
1: How is it like boots? It is. It is like Boots, isn't it? You I, know it is. I don't think it is like Boots. Mm. Um, last point, I was trying to I was trying to trap you before, okay, by asking about the bass riff, okay? So, we've got the, you know, yeah, really, really good bass line from Adam, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Guess who wrote it? Edge. Edge wrote it, yes. And it's really funny, because in an interview... Um, <laughs> in, an <laughs> it, <laughs> in an interview... Um, uh, Adam was doing a radio interview he seems to be doing a lot of the work here, so he's, he's putting in a shift on the interview front well, he's got a baby crying at home he probably can't wait to get back out on the road he was ill as well on, the, on a lot of the radio interviews I think he's just happy to be somewhere nice and warm mm. um, but the the um, the woman interviewing I've, I've forgotten her name at the moment says says um, I really like the the bass riff from from The Blackout um, did you write that one and he said well I wouldn't say I wrote it but I inhabited it on the record it's like <laughs> yes, Edge wrote it <laughs> Just fess up, you know. Don't say I inhabited it. Just say Edge did that, Edge, just like he did Edge with and
0: Adam. Have very distinct playing styles. We've heard uh, we've heard Edge on um, on the bass before, now. Yep. I don't think it would sound the same if Edge was playing that. Yeah, it's very. So enough. you can write it, but it, it.
1: Adam is the one that brings it to life. He's he, to be fair, and I'm I'm really not trying to be stupid about Adam here. He, his bass playing is fantastic on this, on all of this record, and it stands out. Him and Larry are doing a very, very good job. Maybe, maybe Bono isn't doing as good of a job in terms of lyrics. If he's Folk saying, I Ned. think
0: he sounds very good. Fantastic Some people were saying he sounds eighteen. He doesn't quite sound that good. But Don't I, want him to sound eighteen? I, I would say he, you know, he's in the uh, all that you can't leave behind territory again.
1: I, I noticed such an improvement um, from the very start of the record. On the,
0: Innocence, he sounded very weary.
1: I I don't mind him on Innocence, but he's he's a lot better here, I think, mm. definitely. Um yeah, it's a very strong showing. I, I, I've still undecided on the blackout. I think I like it. Well, yeah, well let's move on. Okay.
0: Penultimate track. Love is bigger
1: than anything in its way. Thoughts, Johnny? <clears> hmm. <throat> Difficult. Again, I'm I'm finding it hard to land on a definitive opinion about this what I will say is I do not like the start I don't like the production that's involved and it's one of the very few production choices I don't like on this album It's
0: very contemporary and I don't think it's like anything
1: you like Well weirdly the thing that it reminds reminds me of most, the start of this song and actually some other parts of the song is kind of a mixture of Killers, Coldplay, and Kings of Leon. Now, those are three bands that have all been accused of ripping off U2 um, and sort of echoing their sound back to them. And here, as some not particularly good review said, you know, this is kind of this is like U2 trying to be the Killers, trying to be U2. You know, that kind of like that cycle. I think that review is is not very good to be honest. Um, But I do find that this is not. A particularly fresh sound for me i don't like the i don't like the way that it's recorded and it sounds it reminds me a bit of of the kind of turn that kings of leon made when they started do, to do you somebody and aiming it, it's a song that's very clearly got the st- one eye on the stadium and the crowd you know and the emotion. i can't
0: wait to hear this song live uh, I, maybe i'll i can't it wait to hear 40,000 people sing this
1: song it will sound better with 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 more people singing it i mean it doesn't have to be that many i'll take 39000 well fair enough um on just on the record i i'm not 100% on board with it but it it's, it sticks in my head and once a song gets going i, I quite like it I, I really like the bridge and the just begun bit i think that sounds fantastic but something i don't like about that uh, uh, meh, meh, no, I like that. Oh, it sounds I, like I, there's I... a duck on the record. <laughs> oh, there might be. Well, yeah, well, there's that many producers and extra people adding things. I wouldn't be surprised if a duck was brought in with Heim.
0: <laughs> well, they don't have a scissors player. No, that's true. Um, we we'll fool them. Yes, uh, but I, I like it. And and the strange thing is, if you told me that on this new album there is a a, a, a piano-led ballad uh, that would normally fill me with dread, but uh, this fills me with positivity. I do think it's a good song, and, I, and it, I, it's very poppy. It is very poppy, and it's mm. not really what we expect from you two. Um, but I, I, if it's if it's a good song that's developed in the studio. Then you you don't you don't set out to to write a song like the Killers or write a song like Coldplay. Mm. You sit there and you throw ideas together, and whatever sticks sticks. Yeah. You have very little control over what genre it is when you when you're writing. No one sits down and and to write like that.
1: No, and I think it, it does. It it works on those kind of terms, and I think it it fits in. If I'm going to defend it, it does fit in with the the other themes on the album and the kind of. This is like a positive protest song in, in, in a way. I mean, I guess all protest songs are positive in that they're trying to affect a change in the world. Um, so we got the lines The door is open to go through. If I could, I would come too. But the path is made by you. As you're walking, start singing and stop talking. So it's going back to that idea that we had on Get Out of Your Own Way of this can't be something that the band can do forever. It's something that they're passing on. The path is made by you. They need to pass it on to the next generation who need to start acting basically
0: this yeah this is I mean I haven't really talked about this but there are a few instances in um in the album where I feel like you two are really there are were there were of the their own demise you know at least in terms of a band yep they're closer now to the end than to the start and the end there, is here and there were a few things that made me think are they actually saying goodbye here is this is this it? I is hope this, it isn't. Is this the last traditional album that we can expect? You know, mm. is it just going to be little things here, maybe an EP here, an EP there, the odd song here, the odd song there? Like, what is the next thing for you two? I know with the big uh, contract they've got with Live Nation that that's probably not going to happen, that they're probably not going to start uh, stop Producing new music and not going to stop touring, but it certainly seems like this is the end of something. Maybe it's the end of this songs chapter. Yeah, that we've we've been in kind of since the band played Glastonbury. Yeah, I think that's when this whole phase this whole phase started, and that
1: was in two thousand and eleven. And so, to be fair, twelve maybe. Yeah, and to, to be fair, it's been a really good phase. I mean, it's been a real resurgence. I'm not going to sit here and say Songs of Experience is is as good as Acton Baby or Joshua Tree um or even or, or even Pop. Um but we maybe we shouldn't be
0: sat here comparing it. Comparing it. Maybe we should go do you like it? Yes or no. Yeah. And the answer I think for most u two albums is yes, I do like it.
1: I have no line on the horizon for you.
0: Well, yeah, I, I just even even mentions of any songs, even songs I like, just it just makes me angry. In the wall
1: when I mentioned "Breathe" before, and that's a good song. Mm, it, well, I,
0: I, I don't even get me started. That that's the answer. But it does feel like you two are saying goodbye to something. There is
1: the an end of yep. an era. I think coming there's a passing here. of a torch, definitely suggested yeah. by this. Um, my I think one of the difficulties of the song is that it's not that explicit. About anything and it's got a massive red target on it because it's another song about love and (laughs) let's let's love and that'll be amazing and there's not actually you could maybe say that you two are being actually quite naive and unrealistic about how political change is affected you can't just bono throwing love out and saying and doing a few microphone kind of squawks that yeah, is you know anything. we
0: are bigger than anything in, in the way in in the way <laughs> we some, are bigger than anything some, just something like that you know it yeah. can be a song for lovers or you know we is is more
1: uh, but as nintendo found out it also has other meanings doesn't it so it would be a bit weird right? well, and i was expecting the we spelling
0: not the wii
1: yeah but what I'm saying is, as a, as a homophone, it sounds like we is bigger than we are bigger. They would change that as well. Oh yeah. Fair anyway, enough.
0: that's not the case. So, <laughs> well off topic. I, I like the song. You don't like the song. I can't wait to, for them to play it live, and I think they'll finish with it on the tour.
1: It'll be better live, certainly. I,
0: I think it's the last track,
1: if unless it...
0: Patty Smith comes back.
1: Leave Patty Smith alone. And also, I wish they would. And also, on that note. Um, we have a question which is very, very relevant to that. Okay, so going back to George McCauley here and other people on Twitter. We will get round to your questions as well. We're not just,
0: finished. We've one more track.
1: Well, this is the thing. Um, what George is saying here is, would you have had 13, the next track we're going to talk about, as the closing track for the album? Personally, I think Love Is Bigger, this track, would have been the perfect clo- closer. There's something special about that track and it does sound like a bit of a farewell to me. So that's what, I guess, we've been talking about here. So do you think it could have it could have ended on this particular album? I think track? this could have ended the album, yeah. I I think it could have, but I I'm glad it doesn't. And okay. I, I just I, I don't think it's a song that's ever going to really light me up. Okay, well that's a good segue
0: into discussing thirteen mm. in brackets there's a light. The final track on the standard edition of the album. Um so what are your thoughts on thirteen?
1: My, my first note that I've got written down is it's hard to know how to feel about this one. So apologies, guys, if we'd have been very non-committal. I felt like that at first, so certainly, yeah. Uh, on reflection, having listened to it a few times, I actually quite like it, and I like it as a statement. I like albums from U2 that finish in this quiet, contemplative way. That's the way I like them to finish. I really like Cedars of Lebanon, for better or for worse, and I really like Love Is Blindness. And I, I was... Again, quite pleasantly surprised about that return to Song for Someone with the changes that were made. And where Bono is is talking, saying someone like me, Tyler, your face is suggesting... No, 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 just carry on. Okay. So I quite quite like that because there does seem to be some kind of development there. Although I can admit some people would have heard that. And by this point, because it's a long album... They might, and this is a long review, they might be rolling their eyes by that point and thinking, oh, just finish, for God's sake. So here is my um, opinion on 13. Uh,
0: in September 2014, when Larry Mullen was doing that interview, which I've referred back to already, uh, he said they had about 60 songs written for uh, Songs of Innocence. Mm-hmm. That, that's great. More than two albums worth though. mm then why for the final track on this album have i got a shadow version of song for someone mm. which at best is a b-side I, I mean and at best it's it is a shadow we we said on our songs of expectations podcast that we didn't want shadow versions um, and now, now we use a slightly different meaning to shadow versions on on the on the podcast yeah but this for me it's not as good as song for someone. It might not be as good as any of the other tracks on the album. It takes up a spot where they, they've got they've supposedly got sixty songs finished. Where where are these other songs? How bad are these other songs that this is the one that took the final spot? Well, they must be pretty terrible for the for the showman to make to make the cut at all. But and I that's s- what makes me worry. I mean, I, I and this is there's nothing new here for me. There's not mm-hmm. nothing interesting. Uh I like Song for Somebody, but I don't want to hear this this watered down version. I see I don't I'm not sure it is watered down. I think it's they I, I... they were accused of overproducing Songs of Innocence mm. and, and they continue to overproduce it for another three years and then give us this absolute drivel. <laughs> like like it really annoys me that this is the way they, they chose
1: to end the album. Hmm. I, I I quite like it. I I think it's I think it's interesting because it's it's a proper ex, it's a it's taking that innocence and working it through experience and and changing it enough. No, this is lazy. This is really bad album. A
0: really bad way to put an album together. So yes, George. Yes, I wish the the track the, the album had ended with uh, love is bigger than anything it's in, in its way, but. More than that, I wish they'd put one of the other songs on. Think of how long they worked on this, and they couldn't get one of those other songs done finished. Um, like seriously, what are you doing? <laughs> what What are you doing? I, feel like, I could I feel do like it. I'm under attack here. I'm it, not Bono. It It just it does bother me that you know. They said it was coming out in 2015, and it didn't. So you spent... Then you say it's finished in 2016, but you don't bring it out because the world has changed and Bono's had a midlife crisis or whatever.
1: And a brush with mortality. And a brush with
0: mortality, like we've said. And then still, this is what you offer. And I'm just talking about this, this final track, 13. Mm. It,
1: it should be better. I think the whole album should be better given how long we've waited but that's a, that's a side note I guess for us to sum up with I I honestly think this is an interesting song and one thing I wanted to ask was do you dislike the start of this do you dislike the bit where Bonner's saying and if the terrors of the night come creeping into your days and the world comes stealing children from your room guard your innocence from hallucination and know that the darkness always gathers around the light do you dislike that bit before it rolls back it, into it's lovely poetry it's lovely poetry
0: but they quite clearly don't have a song to put it in.
1: I don't know. I think I think they do. I think they came up with this first bit, which I think is really good and I think Can you honestly justify stealing
0: this heavily from song for someone?
1: Yes, right at the end because I think that's how Innocence and Experience is designed to work together. I don't have much of a problem with the repetition because repetition isn't necessarily a problem if something is being Added to it. And I'll just try and make my case quickly, okay? Song for someone, that is a very, very personal song, and in the innocence context, it's about that youthful relationship between Paul Hewson and Alison Stewart. Okay. Now once we've gone through the the, the grinder of experience and you get chewed out by the world then that can become a song that is more global. And that's why I think he's talking about guarding your innocence from hallucination. Again, I think that's to do with Trump and fake news and things like that. And know that darkness always gathers around the light. It's developing that idea that you may feel like there is darkness all around, but you are that light and that's where it's strongest. And it makes it a more of a global idea. So it's a song for more people than just that particular someone. So I if, like it. If
0: this was the only song where they let, let's be frank, stolen lyrics from other songs. Their own songs, fine. But let, if this was the only point on the album where they'd done it, then mm-hmm. I think I'd feel better. But it isn't. And because it happens so often, and because I know Songs of songs of Innocence so well, mm. that there may, maybe there are some listeners that wouldn't have noticed that the lyrics are repeated so much. And I make, think most of our listeners would, but yeah. But yeah, but we do. Mm. And for me, so, so for me sitting there listening to this for the first time, thinking this is just, this, is, this isn't this is a full album of original music.
1: And it should be. Mm. Do you have a problem with Dream Out Loud being said on Zero Per and on Acton Baby? No, I don't.
0: Uh, and it's repeated in other places as well. Yeah, yeah. And we've talked about how, you know, certain songs are linked but that's one line. Yeah. In in this song, Not in, in this album section. and on several songs, you have whole sections of songs repeated. And it it does bother me and it it, it really makes me think that this isn't its own album, this is the follow up album to Songs of Innocence, that, which main, makes me think that Songs of Innocence, that's the main one, and Songs of Experience, right, see, yeah. that's that's the the outtakes.
1: Yeah, so that would be, it's a different case than if, say, they released them both at the same time and they said, look, we've worked on all these songs, we've unified them together, and this is what we have so that we're putting it all out together. I see what you mean there, because it is difficult to not see this as kind of the leftover bits and cobbling together. That would be a way to see it. I I'm taking it as one album to be honest. I'm taking this as one whole album. Songs of Innocence and Experience, that's what I'm taking it as. I want to. But it's hard to okay? But I
0: I but I'm I'm really struggling and thirteen kind of really put the the final nail in that coffin of it being <laughs> its own album. Mm. So
1: well, I guess what we could say is, what do you guys think? Do you Which side of the fence are you on with this, or or have we missed the point entirely? It'd be nice to hear what, what people think um, about this, because I think this is going to be a topic that um, endures in you 2 arguments for, for decades ahead, so let's, let's all look forward to having this argument quite a lot. Um, so which side of the fence do you fall on, whether this is its own thing, or is there any worth to repeating these things? Is it development, or is it simply... We've run out of ideas, so let's stick in that bit Okay, Johnny, it's time for everybody's favorite feature.
0: uh do you want to do dirty day or sweetest
1: thing first? Let's start with the dross and then move on to finer things. so mine is pretty I'm obvious. gone, I'm
0: gone, I'm gone.
1: Oh God Yeah well, go on then do your little thing.
0: <laughs> okay, so here we have David Bowie. What is everybody's
1: dirty day? It's uncanny. It's like he's back. Um, mine is, um, mine is very, very clearly the showman. It, it, it's not just a bad song on the album. It really should not be on this album in in any context. Uh,
0: well, I'm gonna go for real songs and and not fake shadow versions because I don't even count 13 as a track. Uh, so my least favorite song on the album is Blackout.
1: Oh wow. Fair enough. Okay, should we move on to the uh, the best thing, shall we say, rather than the sweetest thing? Oh, the
0: sweetest thing.
1: Yes, that hurt my ears too, listeners. Um, there's a lot of contenders here, and th- there are a lot of real highlights. Lights of Home was uh, was really up there for me because it's got such a great feeling to it. Um, but just in terms of how it emotionally got me, Landlady is, is one of the finest things they've written for so long. It's... It's really, really good, and it gives me hope that they are a band that's going to continue putting out fantastic work. Yeah. Um, oh. For me,
0: I, I think I've got to give it to Summer of Love um, mm. because I think to give it to little things, uh, the little things that give you away, would be cheating because I've had six months extra with that track. Then. Yeah. So Summer of Love is my uh, sweetest thing. Fantastic. Now, uh, is is it an album or a flipping album?
1: Oh, that is a really difficult one. I mean, we've sort of just talked about this really, yeah, haven't yeah. we? Um, it's really hard uh, mm. because Innocence for me... Overall,
0: do you like it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like it as well. But I don't think it's a flipping album. No. it's the The first thing that I was sad about is that this was clearly not another absolute masterpiece and i was sad about that because i thought it kind of it it, it was seems like almost like the last shot for you two to to do it one more time to to create an album as fundamentally important to rock music as joshua tree or acton baby and i think i've got to accept that is never going to happen again i want it to but i don't think it will you see i feel like that did happen with songs of innocence I feel like they were close with, with Innocence and it's so such a strong and consistent bunch of songs. The problem is that now these these records are tied together and there are weaknesses on here. I think it's a weaker album than Songs of Innocence, definitely. Mm. Um, there are weaknesses on this which do drag it down and mean that that whole Innocence and Experience idea has not come off as well as Joshua Tree and Acting Baby. Now, that's fine. There's lots of bands who would kill to have even one album that's half as good as Joshua Tree and Acton Baby but that is the first disappointment for me but looking on it as a collection of songs they do thematically fit together with a lot of links but then some of those links are not that interesting, I mean it does bang on about light all the time but apart from that idea of it's always darkest before the dawn alright fair enough and we should resist people like Trump who are hateful idiots agreed but I, I I don't know the depth to me is in a song like Landlady and in a song like um, Red Flag Day something like that that's where I think it gets really interesting yeah
0: um hope, well maybe our opinions will change over you know in the next six months
1: they they certainly will I mean that's just what's going to happen so. and and
0: I should just say that me and Joy did not discuss this at all in the in the last week
1: no very I, difficult not to actually yeah
0: um because we have friends who I think we both talked to yeah and uh we so i think maybe things got fed back to us a little bit but we personally we didn't talk about this at all
1: no i don't i don't think about anything
0: so maybe in um within 6 months when we've d- had chance to just live with the album a bit and discuss it maybe we'll we'll change um change our minds maybe you could convince us uh, otherwise so you know messages on twitter facebook uh gmail uh, everywhere you can i'm sure you know it by now
1: yeah and we are happy to be to be wrong about things you know that's fine and also I'm
0: happy to be wrong about everything other than my opinion,
1: yeah, we can't yeah you can't be wrong about how you feel about something, but we're we're happy to say, oh, yeah, we we overlook something or we or we miss the point of something. that's that's fair enough. yeah, so let's quickly zoom back through the mists of time to our predictions and quickly go through our checklist of things that we talked about on the Songs of Expectations podcast before we discuss some of your thoughts in the Twitter section.
0: Okay, so just to clarify our expectations about songs of experience, uh, Johnny, what are your predictions?
1: Yeah, so these are basically just our predictions, which we, when it comes out, we can tick off, we were either right or we were wrong. Okay, so first prediction, there will be 11 songs on this album, because then it kind of balances out the other album. Okay?
0: Well, we got 13 on the standard and uh, 17 was the most on one of the deluxe versions. I think that's the, the deluxe CD, mm-hmm. and 16 on the deluxe vinyl. So well,
1: Just the album itself, uh, 13 tracks. Yeah, yeah. I was completely wrong about that.
0: Yeah, I think, th- I think at one point, did I say I want 12 good songs? Yeah. Didn't get that. <laughs> no,
1: no, fair enough. Yeah. Prediction number two. This will be an Edge guitar album, and I'm very happy to be wrong with any of these, by the way. It's just I want to be able to tick them off when the album comes out, so Edge will feature really strongly.
0: I'm glad you were happy to be wrong, because you are, in fact, wrong.
1: Yeah, I also realised how much I repeat myself, so sorry about that. Yeah, this has not been a particularly edgy album, which is a bit sad, really. Apart from maybe Blackout and Red Flag Day... Summer th- of
0: Lovey features, you know, nicely.
1: Yeah, but I wanted it to be more of a rocky, you know, this is the yeah, guitar turn yeah. up to 11 kind of thing, and it's, it's good. His contributions are great, but it's not what I was expecting or hoping so. Hmm. Next one, there will be some kind of conscious reference back to Songs of Innocence. So maybe some kind of sample or something like that, okay? Um, but there will be in the songs or in the music some kind of hearkening back to that other album to tie them nicely together. So I think we can say definitively, yes, that definitely did come true.
0: Yeah, some very blatant references back to... And some some direct plagiarism as well. So... <laughs> Yeah, we got that. We got that. Mm -hmm. Maybe it wasn't what we wanted.
1: I liked it. Next prediction. Release date. I think the album will come out in October. Because, as you know, Tyler's theory about October holds... Maybe that'll hold true.
0: You were wrong.
1: I was indeed wrong.
0: December the 1st, 2017. Okay, so my expectations are 12 songs. Already covered. Yep. Wrong. Yeah. I also expect the album to be at least announced at the iTunes uh, big event that they have every September. Okay, makes sense. Uh, I don't know if it's the AGM or what they have, but that the big iTunes festival or whatever that I expect them to release it in conjunction with iTunes. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. This did not happen. No. <laughs> Uh, and I expect the singles from this album will be very remix-heavy.
1: Hmm, interesting. Okay, cool.
0: Maybe not remixed tracks themselves, but the the singles will be, you know, remixed. Like for Crazy, pre- for example? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, so they're my, they're my predictions for the album. This remains to be seen, but I'm hopeful.
1: Yeah, and I was going to ask very briefly, what songs do you think will be, will be remixed? Uh, Summer of Love, Red Flag Day. Uh, American Soul. I think American Soul is definitely going to get some sort of yeah. remix. It seems ripe for taking apart and putting back together again. I think
0: those are the ones off the top of my head. Uh, Blackout. This is a Jackknife Lee version of Blackout <clears throat> that's out now. So maybe, maybe some more of that will come.
1: Yeah, and maybe this album will have an interesting afterlife in that in that respect. Okay, so final section, we're gonna deal with a couple of your tweets. So U2 Then and Now has asked, do you think the singles are the weakest tracks? I was a bit worried about the album after hearing the four pre-release tracks, but tracks one, two, six, seven, and eight are much stronger. Saying that, track nine is still my favourite, great bonus tracks too. A steady seven out of ten there from Neil, from U2 Then and Now. Which is track nine? So track nine would be um, little things that give you away. Oh, All yeah. right, okay. I will just confirm that. The, the album's right in front of you. It is indeed, yes.
0: And you're still clicking.
1: Doesn't Josh? Doesn't matter. Give me your response.
0: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the things I have to deal with.
1: Okay, so well, what do you think about Neil's question then? So, are the singles the weakest tracks? Yes. Yeah. So we've got the best thing. Get out of your own way, American Soul. I can see why Is for Is Get Out of Your Own Way uh, was that pre-release? That was pre-release. See, I was I was on complete U two lockdown. So. so after that, I was on U two lockdown. So I didn't listen to American Soul until I heard the actual album. Um, I like. See, I like Get Out of Your Own Way, but I I heard it within the
0: context of the album.
1: Yeah. I. I I think I'd, I do think that the, the singles are the weakest tracks. And I also don't think that's just me being a fanboy who only likes deep cuts. Because I, I like you 2 singles. City of Lights," Nights, for example, is definitely a single. And I think it's a fantastic song. It's one of the strongest ones off um, Bomb, for example. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, 7 out of 10. Yeah, I think, I, think right. I think he's right. I think he's right. 7 out of 10, do you think that's a, a, about right?
0: Uh, it's such an arbitrary thing, isn't it? I I don't I don't know I don't have a placing for this album yet. Mm,
1: let's not set anything in stone just yet. Though. Yeah. Okay, so we already got to George's questions from before. So Mark Watson' fave song, surprisingly, is "Summer of Love." So same as you. I know, agree. Song, yeah. I agree. Wasn't looking forward to it when I saw the title, like me. But it's really strong. Blackout has grown to be a huge favourite too, along with. So it's difficult because of all the acronyms that we have to use. Um, little things that give you away. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Well, you've heard our thoughts for probably over two hours now. um, Mm. Hope you weren't busy. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it seems... Well, Tyler backs you up on... And I back you up on Summer of Love. But it seems that you like Blackout a lot more than Tyler does, definitely. Yeah. I still really don't know what I feel about Blackout. Um, I like a lot of it. So, yeah. Undecided for now. Okay. uh, James Rowles. Or James Rolls. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, James. It's a good effort better than Songs of Innocence for James. I do think the first four tracks released were the strongest. So that's the opposite to um yeah well, that's, the that's
0: completely opposite. It's track 13 he says is lazy.
1: Mm that backs up what you were saying about them just repeating things. The Showman is
0: easily skippable.
1: It's this album's what this album's Wild Honey.
0: I like Wild Honey. What is wrong with everybody?
1: I totally agree with that James. Wild Honey is indeed skippable, but Showman is terrible. Like it really shouldn't be on the on the on the place. Uh and James says Hope in the Tour is very similar to the Songs of Innocence and Experience in Arena's tour. I think it will
0: be. I think it will be. Um but I I I I agree with some of that, James.
1: <laughs> some of it. I think I think what we're getting from this is that there are this is going to be an album that really really divides opinion, I think. Um more so than a lot of other ones. I think you take something like No Line on the Horizon, people do find, as I do, things to like about it a lot, but I think that is accepted as a lower-tier U2 album. I don't think many people would argue with that too much, just like Joshua Tree is accepted as a, a, a very high-tier album. Mm. This one, I don't know where its place is going to going to be. It's, it's got so much to talk about and so many different ways that you could react to it. I don't think it's going to be easy to actually settle it. Um, and then someone called Denver Rankin left us a lovely picture of a Segway, which I, I, I assume is just someone trying to uh, to sell things. So, so if you want a Segway, check out Denver. Yeah, well done, Denver. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, we draw to a conclusion our review of Songs of Experience and in many ways a very, very long journey on Review 2 from innocence to experience, which is where we've landed right now. Yeah. Um,
0: well, I'm exhausted. I'm sure the listener is exhausted. Mm.
1: But there's one more thing that I almost forgot. On that note, listeners, you'll be aware that it is nearly Christmas, and it's also been Tyler's birthday not too long ago. So I have got him a present, which I am giving to him. He looks very distrustful. Live on Earth. So here you go, I'm Tyler. I'm really,
0: really very scared
1: about this. You can unwrap that. And I hope you haven't already got it. You may have. In which case, this is going to be an underwhelming gift. <laughs> His eyes are lighting up. He's tearing through the package. He's unwrapped it. And what have you got, Tyler? This is uh, you U2 experience. How fitting. Uh, a book. Uh,
0: this exclusive box set contains an illustrated book, posters, and rare removable rock memorabilia by Brian Boyd. I i've never even seen this so no i don't have this fantastic i'm glad that's actually worked are you are you gutted that you don't get to keep this a small part
1: of me is a bit yeah, gutted, yeah. <laughs> well you, thank you you know me very well thank you thank you very much so <laughs> that's if you look, great. If you look in the back you'll see that all the little things that you can take out so it's it is an experience in itself because you can take it out and look at all the different bits and there's replicas and things like that of backstage passes and stuff that's awesome thank you Hey. well i'm glad that went down well <laughs> thank you i really wasn't expecting that
0: cheers um yeah we should wrap up thank you very much for listening to this very very long podcast um, uh, we'll be back with you in the new year we're not sure when but we we will be at some point
1: when there's more U2 stuff we'll try and review to it
0: yeah hopefully the DVD of uh, Joshua Tree will be released soon
1: that'd be a good start yeah yeah
0: okay so once again thank you very much for listening thank you for coming on this journey from innocence to experience uh, the next part is experience and beyond So we'll see you then. Thank you very much. See you later. See you later. Hi there. Thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to get in touch, please contact us on facebook.com forward slash review 22 you, or on soundcloud.com forward slash review2 or search for the Review 2 podcast on iTunes. You can also email us at review2contact gmail.com. Please like, comment and subscribe. Thank you.